What's going on, guys? It's Jordan Cowlish here. Welcome back to the Stay Shifters podcast. Uh, the Stay Shifters podcast is really for anyone who's looking to integrate mind, body, and soul into their life in a, in a fluid, productive, and practical way. And today's guest is someone who embodies that extremely well. Um, his name is George Lezos. And George is a spiritual teacher and intuitive. He's the author of a couple of, of books, Be the Guru and the number one bestseller, Lightworkers Gotta Work. And George and I connected about a year ago and we, we he had me on a, as a guest on his podcast and we really hit it off because we'd both gone through a corporate job and come out the other end of it, really following our higher purpose and really living a life that was more in alignment with that. And George has come on today because he's just announced the release of a new book and we dove into some really important and relevant topics, in my opinion, when it comes to finding the balance between masculine and feminine energy. And if you're not familiar with what that what that actually means, it's more the balance between when is it time to slow down and reconnect and spend time connecting with the part of you that's beyond the mind? And when is it the time to come out of that and take action and build something, create something, share something with the world? And George is really, he's gained a really unique skill set when it comes to guiding other people along this journey. And I know you guys are going to get some value out of this episode because I certainly did. And I was certainly learning a lot from George's experience. So I'm excited to dive in this one. You're going to get a lot of information around how to find and follow your purpose, how to start to equip yourself with the power to essentially manifest anything you want through this unique balance of masculine feminine energy. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the State Shifters Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you discover your true potential through connecting the mind, body, and soul. Okay, George Lezos, thank you so much for joining me here on the State Shifters Podcast, mate. I'm, I'm super excited to have you here because you've just announced the release of a brand new book and we've got some really cool things to talk about, my friend. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me, Jordan. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Uh, I'm fantastic. And, and you're calling in from Cyprus today, uh, your home yes. country, I believe. Indeed, yes. And how are things on your side of the world, man? It is hot. We're going through a heat wave right now. It's 40 degrees Celsius, around 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is wild. But you know what? I'm a Leo. Fire can't burn fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. And mate, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because we, we touched, we've connected in the past, probably about a year ago. We were just discussing offline that we did a, um, you had me on your podcast and we did that live on Instagram about a year ago. So it's really great to reconnect here and, and see how both of our lives have shifted and I'm excited to dive into some of the amazing work that you've been up to because I know it's going to relate a lot to what my audience is used to hearing from me. Um, so yeah, hey, tell me, tell me what's, yeah, bro. I was going to say, tell me what's shifted for you over the last year since we spoke last. Oh my goodness. So, so much has changed. So last year when we spoke was my second year having moved back to Cyprus, but essentially these three years of moving from the UK to Cyprus and starting my own business and just going full-time self-employed has been totally transformational for me. And this is where my book, Lightworkers Gotta Work, talks about. Essentially, I found myself at a point in time in London where I was working a full-time job while building my spiritual business part-time, which meant that I worked nine to five, then I would come home, then work on my own spiritual business part-time. All the weekends were dedicated to working on my business. So essentially, I had no life. I had no social life, no love life. It was just work, work, work. 
three years of this masochistic schedule later, I ended up gaining 15 kilos. I had I developed a serious case of eczema and psoriasis. I was depressed. And I realized like early on in my life, patriarchy, this, uh, this culture of the abuse of masculine energy that has dominated the world for so long had failed to kill me early on because part of my story was I grew up in Cyprus. I realized I was gay. I couldn't accept myself. Therefore, I almost took my own life. That was part of my teenage years where we have an example of a patriarchal structure type trying to strip me away of my feminine energy. So I felt like I had moved past that. I've embraced my feminine energy, gay and proud. And yet there I was years later having patriarchy again in a very subversive and, and such a way stripping me away of my feminine energy. And I lived in this very unbalanced life. And that's when I realized something had to shift. And long story short, I went after I woke up one morning intending to go to work, but my body just wouldn't move because I had exhausted it to that point. I'm like, something needs to change. So I went to Glastonbury, which is a magical town in the UK, a real life Hogwarts kind of situation where I did a past life regression that helped me realize that lifetime after lifetime in my past lifetimes, I kept suppressing my feminine energy and abusing my masculine energy. And in this lifetime, I was doing the same thing in a very subversive way because I had all these expectations from the past still controlling me. And I had this epiphany, oh my God, I need to embrace feminine energy, which is the qualities of nurturing your energy and resting and receiving guidance, just going within rather than just work, 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 which is the abuse of masculine energy. And I heard something that didn't make sense at the time, but it felt right and I had to trust it, which was, George, you're supposed to find the feminine from within the masculine. And it didn't make sense at the time, but it felt true. And it wasn't until I went to Athens and I trained as a pagan priest to the Greek uh, polytheistic religion, uh, where I learned that feminine and the masculine were always in balance and female goddesses all, always had a male god like to partner them or male goddesses always had a feminine version as well that I realized you know what we're supposed to have this balance between masculine and feminine energy within us as well and this balance is so beautiful out in nature during the winter nature goes into the feminine state of nurturing and preparing the energy and during the spring and summer it brings into it goes into the masculine energy of creating and moving forward and all these both two of these energies are present within us as well however because we've lived a lifetime that taught us to do the work go to school get the grades go to university just work 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 follow certain formulas for success be the stereotype we've disconnected from this balance and there was me still being disconnected, even though I felt I had overcame that because patriarchy, as I said, is so embedded in the culture of the world that even when we want to act on our feminine energy, we do it in a masculine way. So when I realized that I'm like, okay, something needs to change. And it's not a matter of who just meditating and feeling this balance within me. It has to be practical in my life. And that's when I realized, just quit your job, move to Cyprus, go self-employed. And here I am three years later after doing that, where I've taken steps to find this balance in practical terms in my life, meaning I take time to meditate, to nurture my energy, to do the spiritual work, but at the same time, I work. And that work is not ego work. It's not hassle. That's inspired from that 
energy that I've taken time to nurture in my spiritual practice, when I found that balance in a practical way, here I am three, year, three years later, I've lost 15 kilos, my eczema, my psoriasis is gone, my depression has subsided, and I have a life. <laughs> so to answer the question, how's life? I have a life. <laughs> and it's more balanced, which I couldn't be like happier about. Wow, brother. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I knew there was a reason why we're having this conversation today. And I, I don't, you've gotten me excited by the things you're talking about because I can relate. Like I resonate and I know people who are, who are listening are resonating with this as well because we see a lot right now out there in the uh, spiritual communities, all of the razor vibration. And it's very easy to talk about all the light stuff um, without sometimes grounding it in practicality and doing the work. And I can speak for myself. I came from the too much imbalance of the masculine. Uh, I was, you know, same thing, corporate job, working really hard. Like I play a lot of sport and it was just like, I was ingrained with the belief that you only get out what you put in. So you have to put in hard work. Otherwise you're not going to get results. And I do believe in hard work, but it wasn't until I realized that bringing some feminine energy into what I do, meaning slowing down, trusting my intuition, connecting with that part of me allowed the, the quality of my work to flow so much more easy. There was no more struggle and like effort in what I was doing. I was still working hard, except I was now going with what felt right. And this balance that you speak of is honestly the key. Like once you unlock that balance, it's, it opens up everything, like things you couldn't even see. And for some people, they, they, they come from too spiritual, too imbalanced in the, in the feminine, like, like you were mentioning before. And, and if you're on that side, then you're not taking enough action. Sometimes you read all the books, you listen to all the, all the podcasts, you do all the meditation, but if you don't implement and take action, then that knowledge just stays as potential, stored potential. So what advice would you give for someone who is perhaps unsure of where their balance is at and how do they kind of find that sweet spot? Maybe they're two on the masculine, two on the feminine. And yes, what is masculine and feminine energy for people who are new to that? Okay, so in Lightworkers Gotta Work, my upcoming book, I talk about the difference between light work and ego work. Ego work is when you're acting from a state of just the masculine energy without balancing it with feminine energy, where it's the hustle culture mm. we've both been in and so many people are in. Whereas light work is when you found the balance between masculine and feminine energy, you've taken the time to nurture your feminine energy, you're receiving guidance from your spirit guides, from source, whatever you want to call it, and then you implement that. And what something that kind of irritates me in the spiritual community is I ask light workers, what is your life purpose? Like, oh, my life purpose is to help make the world a better place, is to help people heal. And I'm like, duh, that mm. is our collective light worker <laughs> purpose. People just sit around meditating all day long, feeling, oh, yes, by changing my vibration, I'm changing the planet. No, you're not. <laughs> to some degree, you are sure. <laughs> but unless you take that guidance you receive in meditation, in yoga, and your spiritual practice, and then executed by getting out into the world and doing podcasts, filming videos, writing letters, writing books, writing articles that you're not changing perceptions. You're not creating change in the world. You're just nurturing your life. You're just knowing your life. You're not working. it. That's why my book's like slogan is the world won't change sitting in meditation pillows all day long. Yes, we have to start from meditation. We have to start from the feminine because it is an essential part to the process of creation. But if we just stay there, then we're not creating change. That's why there is this popularity about the rising of the goddess, the rising of the feminine. But what about the rising of the masculine? Yes, we've abused it. Yes, we're traumatized by it. Yes, we've been traumatized by it in previous lifetimes. But just ignoring it and vilifying it 
doesn't help us create the balanced world or the balanced life we want to have. So a good step people need to take is just acknowledge how they've been hurt by masculine energy and then forgive themselves and forgive the masculine as well and realize masculine energy is not the bad guy. The way we've abused it is. And it's our responsibility as light workers to teach ourselves and the world on how to use masculine energy in a healthier way that supports the rights of the feminine and that helps us find balance. So to bring this in more practicality, how do we know if we are in balance in either masculine or feminine? If you're someone, I'm just talking to people listening right now. If you are someone who tends to procrastinate a lot, who's more comfortable meditating and just feeling the energies rather than taking action, then you're abusing your feminine energy. You're too much in your feminine. You're afraid of masculine energy because of the ways you've been hurt by it. And you need to do the work to first forgive the masculine and then step-by-step step, take a single action step towards your purpose every single day. A single purpose so that you don't shock your ego because your ego is there to protect you. And it's like, don't bring me too much change. I'm freaking out. So when you introduce a single small step every single day, the ego will be like, ah, oh, I can deal with that. <laughs> That's not too bad. That's not too big of a change. Let me do that. And then you train your ego to accept change and therefore to accept the masculine. On the other hand, if you're like someone like me and Jordan was in the past where we just worked, 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 all the hassle of using masculine energy, then first of all, you have to realize what you're doing to yourself, to your body, to your energy. And you have to realize that your hassle is not really producing any worthwhile results because unless you're balanced in both of your energies, then you're not in alignment with your life purpose. There is a correlation between happiness and our life purpose. When you're happy, you're automatically following your life purpose because your happiness is the vibration that source has and therefore the vibration of who you really are. And when you're in full alignment with who you really are, you're in full alignment with your life purpose. So if you're hustling, that means you're disconnected from your happiness and therefore the action you're taking is disconnected from that purpose. So it is freaking pointless action that will not lead you anywhere close to your life purpose. So once you realize that and you realize, you know what, I need to find my happiness and then work from that place of happiness because unless the action that I'm taking is inspired from that place of alignment and happiness, it's not productive, then what am I doing here? Then I have a responsibility to the world. If I consider myself a light worker, therefore if I'm here to help make the world a better place, my purpose is not mine. My purpose belongs to the people I'm here to serve. And it's my responsibility to do the work needed to bring myself into the state where the action I'm taking helps people, helps people understand and heal, which is what my life purpose is. So the practicality is realizing where you are and then taking small steps towards the other side, which is for people who are more in their masculine energy, is all about using masculine energy to create feminine time. For example, if I don't schedule my feminine energy, which is a masculine way to go about it, I'm just not going to do it. I have to schedule my meditation. I have to schedule yoga practice. Like I have to schedule it. Yes, because yeah. that's our default. Yeah. <laughs> our default is like masculine. So unless we schedule it, it's not going to happen. And then we're going to be disconnected. And then we're going to get caught up into this hustle culture. Bro, this is, uh, this is bringing a lot of clarity to me. And for people who are listening, like I just want to reiterate George, what you've done, mate, because if anyone who goes onto your page, they'll probably initially see a lot of, a lot of light, a lot of feminine, but you've integrated it so well and actions, the proof is in the pudding in what you've put out, brother, because you've, this is your third book, right? 
This is my second book. Second book. But you picked up intuitively that I'm writing a third one. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to like reiterate that to people listening. Like you, you've put in the work. It's damn impressive. And I just wanted to take my hat off to you, man, because you know, you don't just talk about this stuff. You're, you're, li- you're living it. And you've got a podcast, you've, you've got a successful business and man, it's not easy to write a book. So what has worked for you when it comes to discovering this balance? You mentioned, you know, default is masculine for you. So was mm. there a swinging of the pendulum, so to speak, over to the feminine side to really get back in touch with what it was that your purpose was? And then that integration or that finding that balance, what did you do to find the sweet spot? Were there some practices that you used or just experimenting with different routines throughout the day? I'm curious. So for me, the basis is always having a daily spiritual practice. And I know this is like talked so much in the spiritual community, but I think we need to put even more emphasis towards it and also to refrain the way we define our spiritual practice because so many people, when they hear spiritual practice, especially if they're first starting out, they think gurus meditating for hours and repeating mantras that don't make sense. To me, the spiritual practice has to be a happiness practice because at the basis of who we are, we are, let's take babies, for example, newborn babies. You've never seen a depressed baby because we're born into this place of loveliness and happiness and alignment. So what happened from that moment we were born until our adult years? So many new factors have been introduced. We were indoctrinated into a system that we had to ignore our intuition, ignore our happiness and depend on external factors for that happiness. And therefore we've forgotten our purity and our happiness. So to me, the essence of the spiritual practice and therefore finding this balance, and this is what I've done as well, was to remember my happiness. Happiness is not something you find outside of yourself, but it's also not something you find within yourself. Happiness is yourself. And therefore happiness is something you have to remember. So the spiritual practice is the practice of remembering your happiness. And in Lightworkers Gotta Work, I talk about the three components of the spiritual practice, which are at the basis of finding this balance and what I've done to help me find this balance within myself. The first component is it has to be consistent. If it's not consistent, if it's not daily, then it's not a practice, it's a hobby. Mm. And it means you're not taking yourself seriously and you're not taking your purpose seriously. You're not taking your alignment seriously. When you take your spiritual practice seriously, the universe takes you seriously as well. The second component is duration. The spiritual practice has to be between 15 minutes to an hour or even more. Mine is three hours right now because I need it. (laughs) Because happiness, which is the third component of the spiritual practice, it's happiness. It has to be a happiness practice, but happiness has to be nurtured. It's like going to the gym and building up muscle. If you exercise 15 minutes every single day, you're likely not going to see too much, too many results by the end of the month, for example. If you exercise for at least 30 minutes to an hour, you will see palpable results. Same thing with happiness. It is a muscle that you need to remember consistently for a long period of time every single day. And once you do that, which in my book, I refer to this as nurturing light and therefore nurturing your feminine energy. Once you do that in 30 days, you would have nurtured so much light, so much feminine energy, And naturally, from that state of connectedness, because you'll find your happiness, you'd have practiced your happiness, and therefore you'd have automatically be in alignment with your life purpose, you would start receiving guidance. Oh, 
Maybe I should write an article about that. Ooh, maybe I should uh, do a podcast about that. Ooh, I think people will benefit from this process. Let me do a TikTok video or an Instagram story and teach people about it. I see you post IGTV videos on, on Instagram every single day or almost every single day. And when I tune in, I know you've done the work to connect and then you've received all that information. I'm like, that's perfect balance between the two. It's taking the time, having the basis in your spiritual practice, nurturing that light, receiving the inspiration and then working that light. Does that make sense? hundred percent, man. And I, I, I want to just, you know, again, reiterate the, the consistency component, because that for me is where I see a lot of people get unstuck is they can't maintain the consistency and then they go, ah, oh, nah, I've tried meditation. doesn't work for me. Or I've tried the journaling. I've tried the spiritual practice and they didn't work. And it's the consistency of the practices where you start to notice the benefits and the clarity and man, the duration as well for someone just starting out on this, say someone's more swayed into their masculine, maybe they're stuck in a corporate job and they want to start to, to bring in some of this feminine energy. They want to bring in some of this guidance, this, this, this intuition, the creative and inspired action. Is there an optimal place to start? Is, is meditation the perfect practice for them? Or have you found certain other practices as a good entry points for someone who want to start to cultivate the light a little bit more? Thank you for asking this question. The spiritual practice could include any processes that inspire within you the emotion of happiness. And I want to create the separation between happiness and pleasure. Pleasure is something ephemeral you get from something outside of yourself. When you have sex, when you eat something, when you drink something, when you smoke, that creates euphoria, it creates pleasure. Happiness, again, it's something you remember. So what activities help you come into this sense of purity? It could be dancing, it could be singing, it could be working your dog, it could be going out in nature and just being present with your thoughts and with nature. It could literally be anything. Meditation is certainly something that I've used for more than 10 years right now. And while I worked the corporate job, that was it that helped me just stay sane. Every single morning, the least I could do was meditate for 15 minutes. And that was enough for me at the time. And then again, in the beginning, I talked about the ego wanting to protect us. Many spiritual texts just bash the ego. Like, oh, the ego is a bad guy. Ignore the ego, obliterate the ego. I believe the ego is necessary. The ego is our physical body. It's our personality. It's our character. We live in an ego-based world. We need the ego. The goal is not to obliterate the ego, but to, to have our inner being control the ego. The ego can be in the car, but not driving the car. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the ego is there to protect us. It's there to ensure that we are safe. So we need to work with the ego and reassure the ego and just timidly coming into the spiritual practice by having, well, let's say 10 minutes meditation practice every single morning or 15 minute meditation practice. And just meditation is the act of quieting your mind and focusing on your, on your breath. It's like, it's not a long kind of complicated thing that uh, many spiritual teachers make it out to be that just scare people away. It's just quieting your mind. If you want to pray, pray. If you want to repeat a mantra, repeat a mantra. And mantra is just anything you repeat <laughs> over and over again. Again, another jargon that scares people. So once you do this, you train your ego to accept change. You allow it to ease into the idea of following your life purpose and finding balance and doing something different. And then step-by-step, step, once you nurture for the first phase, which is, let's say, 30 days of meditation practice every single day, once you've done that, then you've 
find that you want more. <laughs> like, it's not that you force yourself to do it. You'll enjoy it so much. You'll be like, ooh, let's see what else I can do. Maybe I can try a guided meditation. Maybe I will light a candle and focus on the candle. Or maybe I will, um, I don't know, I will set up an altar. If I'm not spiritual, I'm just going to dance by myself in the house or just spend time out in nature or do active meditation, which is exercising without like listening to something to be yeah. distracted, but just being focused within your body. So many ways. There's just people tell me, oh, I don't have enough time to meditate. I don't have enough time. I need to take the kids to school, blah, blah, blah. And my answer always is, if you have time to feel like shit, you have time to feel good too. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't agree more. And really, this comes back to the purpose component, right? And it's going back to why are we meditating? Why are we taking care of our, you know, our light energy? And like we've sort of touched on on this podcast, mate, is is we get to understand the purpose behind these practices, these routines and rituals. And I say to people, like, if you need motivation to do something, you haven't dialed in your purpose strong enough. You're not dialed into the reason why you're doing what you're doing because motivation is is temporary. You need motivation to do something you don't want to do. So when you understand why you meditate or why you go out and sit in nature and, and connect, you don't need motivation. You just get excited because you, you're about to connect with the life energy that's already within you. And when that comes through, you just, ah, oh man, you flow. Like I'm addicted to that feeling of just being in flow. And now it's like meditation is not a challenge. It's something I look forward to every day because I've experienced what it feels like to receive that energy. So do you believe that, you know, for the people who are struggling maybe with the motivation do you believe that there's a, it's tapping back into that purpose within them to discover that inner spark, the inner drive to want to give these practices a go? Absolutely. Motivation is ego driven. Mm. Motivation is forcing yourself to do something you don't want to do or you're not in full alignment with. It's not about motivation. It's about inspired action, which comes from purpose, as you rightfully said. So what I believe is at the basis of people not having the drive and the inspired action to move forward is we're defining our purpose in very general terms. Whenever I ask a light worker, what's your life purpose? They're like, oh, my life purpose is to help people heal, to help make the world a better place, which is our collective light worker purpose. Our specific life purpose is way more specific than that. And in light workers gotta work, I talk about the four purposes of light workers. The first one is a collective light worker purpose, which is our purpose to help ascend the world, make the world a better place. Then we have our soul realm purpose. This goes a bit esoteric. Soul realms are groups of souls that have unique purposes in the same way that a large group of people deal with the environment, a large group of people deal with like women's issues and then we have like different groups of souls. Again, another collective purpose. Then we have our soul purpose, which is our soul's purpose over a series of lifetimes. And therefore, it, is, um, it draws from the soul realm purpose. Let's say, for example, the um, soul realm purpose is protecting the environment. The soul purpose could be marine conservation. So we would take a couple of lifetimes to learn the problem, a couple of lifetimes to start resolving it, and another couple of lifetimes to resolve it for those of us who live in like past life regression and multiple past lives. And then the life purpose is the specific life purpose, a step towards fulfilling the soul purpose this specific life's purpose towards fulfilling that, which is incredibly specific. And we don't need to care about the other three purposes because all our power is in the present moment. All we can do to fulfill all four purposes is focus on our life purpose. 
And in the book, the first part is called Find Your Purpose, where I guide people through my three-step formula to defining their life purpose in a specific two-paragraph definition. And really, what that formula is based on, it's identifying pockets of happiness in our lives and the activities we were involved in and piecing the pieces of the puzzle together, pulling the clues together to find out what are the commonalities between all these pockets of happiness and bring them together to identify what our specific life purpose is. And that includes who we are here to serve, what we're here to teach, how we're here to do this, where in the world are we doing that, and how are people going to feel and transform as a result of that. So all these different aspects have to be in the specific life purpose declaration. That's how I call it in the book. And when we have that, and it's so specific, and it's just our entire being vibrates that, we realize we don't have we don't have room to not take action because we realize this is who we were born to be. We're literally the only people that can follow and fulfill our life purpose. We were born to fulfill that purpose. Every single person has that specific purpose. And the reason we don't have motivation is because we haven't found our purpose yet. As soon as we've done that, no one can stop us. It's just an expression of who we are into the world and not an expression of who others want us to be, mm. which is what both of us have experienced at some point in our lives. Yeah, man, hundred percent. And it's that realization that there is only one version of me and one version of each of us. And that unique version has a unique expression. And once we get beyond the layers of conditioning, once we get beyond the, you know, the ego, and connect with that uniqueness that's within and allow it to be expressed freely, we realize that, holy shit, we're fucking valuable, man. Like, yeah. I get upset when I see it being wasted when people settle for lives less than what they're capable of. They, they get addicted to the comfort. They get addicted to the security. And I feel when you touch upon some, some of the things you've just mentioned, you know, something beneath the surface, something that's a little bit more um, interconnected or, or whole, you start to, it gives you courage. It starts to give you courage to want to take that action, to do something that's scary because you know that, man, if I don't, then I'm not going to evolve. Our purpose, like you said, is to evolve the collective consciousness of the world. And when you start to align your actions with that purpose, life tends to look after you, eh? Like you get looked after, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you can speak from experience here and anyone who's listening, but if there's ever like a scary action that you've been afraid to take, like a big leap, whether it's leaving your corporate job or starting this book, whatever it is, the minute you take the action and just leap anyway with the faith and trust and knowing like this is, you know, this is my purpose. Life gives you the opportunities. It gives you the people. It looks after you. It gives you the money. And that's ultimately the, sometimes the reassurance that people need when they're waiting to take the leap. They know they want to leave their job or leave that relationship, but they just, they haven't found that courage yet. And I feel like faith and trust is sort of the muscle you have to strengthen through these practices because the more you spend time with the part of you that's not connected to the fear you realize that holy shit i can't fail <laughs> the failure is actually another key to unlock another lesson to pull me further along my purpose so has there been any really big lessons that you've taken from this whole experience and you taking massive action which i truly admire um what are some lessons you've taken from this man that you'd be prepared to share with us I love this question. Before I started taking massive action, I had to start by taking small action. So something I talk about in the book is that all you need to do to fulfill your life purpose is take a single action step towards it 
every single day. Again, partly it's working with the ego, but at the same time, when we show up for us, the universe shows up for us. And it doesn't have to be massive action in the beginning because again, we're gonna scare our ego. So if someone is stuck in a corporate job, my path to leaving my job wasn't just, oh, quit your job, leave, because I've seen so many people do that, fail, and then come back to the corporate job. I'm like, okay, this will just freak my ego out. This is not what I'm going to do. So what I chose to do instead was have a full-time job while building things part-time until I reached a point where my business was developed enough that the only thing preventing it from growing more was me not having enough time to work on it. And then I realized, okay, I'm ready to take the leap right now. So if you're someone right now listening who has this corporate job and has this realization that, you know what, this is not aligned with my life purpose, I want to leave. Make a plan. Use your muscle energy that you're so good at using <laughs> to make a plan. Start building things part-time. Don't exhaust yourself like I did. That was a mistake that I did. Just take it step by step and take a single action step towards it every single day. And trust me that this action step that you take will gain momentum eventually. And then the momentum will grow so much that the universe will come in and support you with an equal amount of momentum. And then the, the stepping stone of quitting your job will not be a massive action step. It will simply be the next clearest step in your path. The only logical thing that remains for you to do, it's going to be effortless. It's going to flow easily. It's not going to be, oh my God, I'm gathering up all my courage and my energy, quitting, jumping off the cliff, fly. No, you're not going to fly. <laughs> you're probably going to fall. <laughs> so take the time, use the muscle energy that you've abused for so long, create something that has a solid basis. And then when you are drawn, when you feel inspired to leave, then leave and know that you'll have something to catch you when you jump. Dude, this is so awesome. I love how you said that because I, I completely resonate and my experience in leaving my corporate job was exactly how you just described it. And I remember my ego initially going, oh, fuck, this, is, this sucks. I got to quit. This is terrible. Why did I choose accounting? And the minute I chose to receive the lessons that this you know, experience of life was giving me, which we're exactly where we need to be right now. Wherever you are in life right now, whatever, you know, job or relationship or situation you're in, it's exactly where you need to be to receive the right lessons. And the minute you start to reaffirm that belief, all of a sudden there's opportunities to learn everywhere. And I remember going into my corporate job and chose to use every single person that triggered me or every piece of work that annoyed me as an opportunity to look at a part of me that was in resistance to life. And the more I became aware of all these parts of me that were in resistance and judging and labeling and saying, oh, life should be different. I got an opportunity to reconnect and rewire myself to be in alignment with that primary purpose, like you spoke of, which is the collective evolution. And then you start to impact the people around you because yes. you're living in alignment. And then all of a sudden your environment starts to shift. And bro, I got to the point where I was like, I was enjoying my job. I was like, this is awesome. I don't mind working for Deloitte and being an accountant. I could stay here. I'm happy. And that's when I knew. That's when. That's a very good like, point here. Yeah. I want to introduce a point here because you said the place you're in, the job you have is a perfect point for you to be in. I so believe that. I don't believe even the so-called soul-draining jobs that we did. I yeah. believe they were there for a reason because looking back on my education and the jobs that I've done over the years, I studied geography. And then I did a master's degree in business management. And then I worked for a publisher. And now I use skills from all those previous jobs and all those previous degrees 
to do my work right now. I use my business degree to run my business. I use my geography degree to teach about the environment and the elementals and all these nature spirits. And of course, my work in publishing has taught me how to publish my own books and how to mentor others in writing their own books. So it's, it all comes together. It's all the perfect trail of steps that we need to take to come into our purpose. Something I say in the book is that our purpose is fixed. It doesn't change, but it's constantly revealing itself to us according to the degree to which we're ready to accept it. In the past, you and I were not ready to accept our purpose, but we accepted as much of it as we could at that moment in time with what we knew. And as soon as we shifted our mindset and perceptions, more of our purpose was revealed to us. And here we are right now. Mm, yeah, so well said. So well said. And uh, you start to um, receive like whispers, I feel sometimes you get little like inclinations. And sometimes you might receive a whisper and you, you'll notice it and be like, okay, okay. And you go about your business and you continue to do your, your light work and integrating the masculine and feminine. And that whisper might turn into a shout. The universe starts shouting at you saying, hey, go <laughs> this way, go this way. And like you said, it'll get to a point where you just go, yeah, it's, it's time it's time for me to, to take that action. You know, you can hear it in the background for a while and it gets louder and louder and louder. And dude, I want to kind of bring this back to something you mentioned at the start, because I'm curious because I haven't spoken much about this stuff so far on the podcast, but some of the things you, you spoke about, which is like past life regressions and, mm. and, and some things like some of them, you could call it a bit more esoteric stuff that maybe some people aren't used to talking about, but I've had a past life regression done on myself as well. And at what point in the journey does someone start to look at things like this, maybe like past life energies. And how did you stumble upon this world where you started to work with the different spirits and things like this? First of all, it's going to come naturally to people if they naturally feel called to start exploring and to go deeper. For me, it started with all this woo-woo esoteric aspect of spirituality when I was 15 years old. And then yeah. eventually I went into coaching. And then now I'm in this integrative period where I do both. Yeah. I combine like past life therapy with working with the elementals and finding a life purpose. So it's like a balance of things. But something I want to share with regards to past lives is that time is not linear. It is cyclical. So anything that happened in our past lives is still affecting us in this present lifetime. We have this ego that makes us forget about our past lives, but our soul never forgets. So my aim in helping people doing past life regressions and exploring their past lives is not spiritual entertainment just for fun to figure out what you were in a previous lifetime, mm. but to use the past to empower the present and the future. Because when you step into the awareness of your eternal self, then all the lifetimes you've ever had, along with the skills and knowledge and the experiences you've had, become available for you to use right now. So I use past life regression to retrieve past life skills, to remember skills that you've developed in a previous lifetime that can help you move forward with your life purpose in this lifetime, or to identify past life traumas that are still affecting you in this present lifetime. In my experience, the traumas we create in this lifetime as children are remnants due to expectations of past life traumas we've had. So if lifetime after lifetime, we kept suppressing our feminine energy, which is what was the case with me, then we come into this lifetime with the same expectation, like ingrained into our system to keep suppressing feminine energy. And just by doing a past life regression, identifying that original trauma, resolving it, healing it, forgiving it, we get to have change within our present lifetimes. And rather than spend years and years in therapy analyzing the past of this lifetime, which is basically created from the past of past lives, we can just have one single past life regression, remove that original trauma, which resolves years of therapies, traumas in this lifetime. So 
I mean, it's more esoteric. It's a more deeper kind of stuff. It's definitely not for someone just starting out on their spiritual yeah. path. But the more you get into it, the more you want to go deeper, the more limiting thoughts and beliefs you want to get rid of. And therefore, the more you start exploring. Yeah, totally agree, mate. And, and uh, that's exactly how it played out for me. Like if someone had told me about yeah. that stuff when I first started, I'd be like, what? what is this woo-woo? And then, then you're like, ooh, past yeah. life regression. <laughs> then I got one done and I'm like, wow, this is so fascinating. And the reason... The reason it came into my life recently in a very profound way was I had a really close friend, like I would say a soul brother, pass away all of a sudden. He was the same age as me, had an accident. And there was a book that, that he told me that I should read just before he passed. And the book was called Many Lives, Many Masters by Brian uh, Weiss. Brian Weiss. Yeah, I'm yes. sure you've read it. And uh. just when you brought up the, the past life stuff, that book was a really profound read for me, man. Just because he'd just passed away. He was talking about the book. Then I read it and it was sort of like the timing allowed me to fully absorb all the lessons and what his life meant to me and perhaps what was, you know, after this physical form. And that book gives so much clarity to that. So I just, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because... um. Yeah, I feel like once you get an understanding of maybe what your soul's purpose is here to do, like what's the purpose of this incarnation, which is to learn a very specific set of lessons that you're here to learn. And, you know, when you cut yourself off from learning those lessons, then you cut the soul off from evolving and you're probably going to reincarnate again, having to learn the same lessons. Yes, right? because if our life purpose is a step towards fulfilling our soul purpose and our soul purpose mm. is fulfilled over a series of lifetimes, if we don't fulfill our life purpose in this lifetime, we're just going to do a repeat lifetime yes. doing the same thing all over again. And why just waste time on this beautiful planet rather than just move forward? <laughs> just, <laughs> just speed up the fulfilling of our soul purpose, which fulfills our soul realm purpose, which fulfills the light worker purpose, which is all about creating a better world. And right now with what's going on in the world with a coronavirus, this is a wake up call for light workers yeah. to stop procrastinating, to do the work, to heal, to get clear on a life purpose and do the work in light workers got to work. I introduced the term Ascension light worker, which is a special breed of light workers coming in right now with the aim of upgrading the software right here, right now. What is happening on in the world right now? This is the time for us to take action. This is like showtime, it's no longer the dress rehearsal. It's time to just perform. This is what we've been preparing for, for hundreds of lifetimes. Our ancestors have been praying for this moment. So here we are showing up. Are we gonna choose to settle or are we gonna choose to rise up and do the freaking work? Mm, dude, love it, man. I love it. George, you're, you're a beautiful soul, man. And you have a massive purpose here. And I know you're impacting a lot of people and just in the way you talk and communicate about these topics, it's needed. And I'm really grateful for the fact that we're having this conversation and you're doing the work you do. And I just wanted to say like for people who want to get access to the book and get more you know, access to you, where should they be going? So Lightworkers Gotta Work is the ultimate guide to following your purpose and creating change in the world. It's going to help you balance your masculine and feminine energy so that you don't only know your light, but you work it to help create bigger change in the world. And if you go to georgelizos.com forward slash lightwork, you'll be able to pre-order the book. And when you pre-order it, you also get a free two-hour workshop with me called Life Purpose Bootcamp, which is all about me guiding you to define your life purpose so you have your life purpose before the book comes out so you, as soon as you get the book in your hands you're able to start working it the book comes out august 19th and it's available to pre-order globally on amazon in australia on booktopia as well 
And I'd love for you to come and hang out with me on Instagram. My handle there is at George Lizos or on Facebook. I have a private Facebook group community called Your Spiritual Toolkit. Beautiful, man. George, thank you so much for joining me on here, mate. I love our conversations and I'm excited to see where, uh, where this journey is going to take you, man. And I'm sure we're going to cross paths again in the near future. It was such an honor. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thanks, George. Hey, there we have it, guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And yeah, look, if you made it this far, cool. Here's my voice again in your ear. And I'm going to make one more request for you is go ahead and subscribe and leave a comment on the podcast page because I'm really putting a lot of focus and attention on getting this podcast out to more people because I know what I'm putting in here can serve and bring value to people. And it would mean a lot if you got value from this to to leave some feedback and, and subscribe so you stay up to date with what's coming up. Um, and as always, follow me on Instagram. And I love hearing from you. It's at State Shifters. And until the next episode, guys, thank you so much and I appreciate you.